From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., President Trump has announced his Supreme Court pick to replace liberal Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away earlier this month. Trump has chosen conservative federal appeals judge Amy Coney Barrett, and confirmation hearings are scheduled to begin October 12th. The announcement of Barrett drew immediate response from Wisconsin's two U.S. senators. Republican Senator Ron Johnson says he helped confirm Barrett in 2017 to the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, and he expects to support her confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court. Meanwhile, Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin called Barrett an activist judge who would help overturn Roe v. Wade and vowed to vote against the nominee. So do you think there will be any surprises here? In other words, is Johnson a solid yes vote, and is Baldwin a reliable no vote? We know for sure that Baldwin's not going to support the nomination. We don't know as if Democrats might try something um, unique, such as just not participating in the process, saying this is inappropriate, and if some of those members um, don't vote, period. But all signs are that the nomination is moving forward. Uh, The word out of Washington has been that There'll be uh, confirmation hearings in mid-October. They'll vote the nomination out sometime. I think October 22nd was the date that I saw. So we're talking about a possible vote before the election. That's the other big question out there is, will Mitch McConnell have a vote before the election or after? And uh, you know, I've read pros and cons about both. You know, One line of thinking is that if you want to keep, if you're a Republican, you want to keep your base motivated, you don't vote on the confirmation until after the election. You got people give people reason to turn out, but we're also seeing polls that show Democrats are being chart, you know, energized by this. And I think I saw a poll come out yesterday from Marist and NBC that had 56% of likely voters in Wisconsin wanted the winner of the member election to fill the vacancy. Uh, 37% wanted Trump to do it now, and 5% wanted the president to fill it after the election, regardless of who wins. So there seems to be a sentiment, at least in Wisconsin, against doing this. The question is, what's going to motivate people? who wouldn't otherwise been motivated to vote this fall. I just don't know if that's something that outweighs things like uh, COVID-19, the economy, those kinds of things when it comes to people making their minds about voting. Another breaking story, a federal appeals court on Sunday temporarily overruled a Wisconsin judge's decision to extend absentee ballot counting up to six days past the November 3rd presidential election. So as it stands now, ballots will have to be due by 8 p.m. on Election Day. Democrats sued for the extension, saying it's needed in order to deal with an unprecedented high number of absentee ballots. The case is expected to go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. If so, how do you think it'll play out? You know, go back and look at what happened in this case in April, because Judge Conley issued a similar ruling back in April about the spring election. In that decision, he was going to allow ballots to be counted as long as they received by 4 p.m. on the Monday after the spring election. The appeals court sided with them on that ruling, but then the Supreme Court tweaked it. The Supreme Court said ballots must be postmarked by Election Day, which was, uh, you know, that Tuesday, and then as long as they received by that following Monday, that was okay. And even that was with, you know, a 5-4 conservative majority. The question has been, would that same makeup of the court, the same five justices who, who embraced that approach back in April, still on the bench, would the Supreme Court embrace that approach now with a different election, because now we're talking about 
you know, a federal election, not a state one. We're talking about the presidency possibly being at stake with Wisconsin. So is that going to change uh, the approach? And one thing I remember from April was the number of election observers who said the Supreme Court had essentially set a precedent with its ruling that you could a ballot could be counted as long as it's postmarked by election day. Now, again, the court could change itself itself on that or take a different approach, but that's something to watch is how that plays out with the Supreme Court, if it, see if it goes the same way it did back in the spring. In another development, an event known as Democracy in the Park took place on Saturday at more than 200 parks in the liberal stronghold of Madison. It was organized by the city clerk's office and was designed for people to register to vote or drop off a completed ballot and, if necessary, have a ballot witnessed by a poll worker. Attorneys for Republican legislative leaders sent a cease and desist letter to the clerk's office late last week saying the event amounts to, quote, illegal in-person early voting, and they threaten to sue. President Trump has been harping on this issue of so-called ballot harvesting for a while now, and another event in the Madison Parks is coming up this Saturday. What do you think will happen here? All indications are that the city of Madison will go ahead and do this again next week, um, be back in all the city parks with poll workers there to collect ballots from people that have been filled out to help them get registered, um, to help they need a witness for the absentee ballot. Remember, these sites are not handing out ballots. And that's a key distinction to the people who are sponsoring it, saying this is not an early voting situation. They're not handing out ballots. They're only collecting them from people. But all signs are they're going to go ahead. It was a success, it seemed like, from the election officials in Madison this past weekend. So barring a court order saying not to, they're going ahead. Now, the lawyer uh, for Republican lawmakers sent a letter to the clerk and had suggested these ballots could be challenged. But um, we'll wait to see if they actually file a lawsuit like that, trying to overturn or invalidate those ballots and how that would work. And finally, Democratic Governor Tony Evers last week extended the state's mask requirement another 60 days to late November. It looked like the Republican-controlled legislature might call itself into special session and override the previous mandate, but then didn't. Do you think Republican leaders will do so this time? All indications are they're not coming back again, that they're going to rely on the privately filed lawsuits to possibly overturn the public health declaration, the mask mandate. Remember, back when the first mandate was uh, issued, Senate Majority Scott Fitzgerald was adamant his caucus had the votes to overturn it and they were ready to go. This time, and back then, uh, Speaker Robin Voss was quiet on the issue. This time, they both criticized what the governor did, said it was illegal. Um, wasn't what the paper was written on, but neither of them said anything about coming back. And the feeling I've gotten from talking to people is that um, Voss is still in the same situation as before, where he sees this as a political loser for them. Republicans, if they come back and vote to overturn the mandate, is popular with people, especially in the areas where they're trying to fight to hold on to seats, i.e. the suburbs. And for Fitzgerald, it made no sense to be calling for a vote this time, because then you have the two top Republicans in the legislature at odds with each other, so they're kind of not highlighting that right now. So all the indications are it's going to the courts. Now, the question of courts is, what will the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty do? Recall when it filed its lawsuit against the first mandate in Polk County Court, Will did not seek a, an injunction that would ban enforcement of the order. And what I was told was that that was by design. They wanted to have a, you know, a well-developed case from the circuit court, the appeals court, ultimately the state Supreme Court, about the limits of the governor's powers when it comes to declaring an emergency. This time, though, with the second mandate, the question is, will uh, 
the group now file a request for an injunction because the governor's up the ante. Um, if Will doesn't seek an um, injunction, in theory, Evers could kind of continue to issue new orders every 60 days to extend the mask mandate in perpetuity, unless either Will gets an injunction or legislature comes in. If lawmakers aren't coming in, then it's all about whether a lawsuit could possibly stop this. And that's kind of the thing to watch right now is that Polk County lawsuit is Will Will file that request for an injunction and try and cease enforcement of the mask mandate. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.